Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. It's Mike and it is... It's 9.21. If you heard that. It's 9.21. I'm leaving a minute later than I should. But at least I'm on my way. It's been a really good morning. Uh, it is today November the 9th perhaps November the 9th uh, sorry December the 9th sorry November, December yeah Wednesday December 9th and I am uh, just just heading on my way to work and uh, thanks for joining me we are in the second week of Advent. Last night in our gathering, we talked about love. One of our uh, um, one of our members uh, who gather with us and have has for several years, Hoshimi, uh, read us a passage about love. So she was the presenter, and we talked about uh, that for a while. Um, see if I can figure out what her point was. Uh, the point of the passage that she read. Uh, it wasn't a scripture passage, it was some, something, it was a, like a commentary on uh, the idea of love as it um, pertains to the story of Christmas. <sighs> Sorry, I got a little traffic here. Something about that because of everything that happened during that time um, and and how Jesus's coming culminated in a sense in the cross in other words uh, Jesus came on earth in the flesh and was born uh, was born uh, to become a human uh, for the sole purpose of eventually dying on the cross for humanity and so if you if you look at Christmas in the light of the cross then what else can you uh, what other conclusion can you come to except that uh, well John 316 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son right um, so, in the light of the cross, the only conclusion you can come to is that God loves the world and everyone and everything in it, right? Um, enough that he was willing to come and be born as a human for the purpose of dying on the cross, right? Uh, I, I would actually say for the purpose of showing humanity how much he loves them, right? And uh, showing humanity the links that he's willing to go to prove that love. Uh, now, that did end up being the cross. I'm not convinced completely that it had to be a cross. There could have been other means ways and means by which to do it 
But Jesus foreshadowed that he would die, right? And he seemed to understand, he seemed to know that it was going to be by the cross. Now, whether that was a revelation, uh, a revelation given by God um, to him, right? Uh, again, I, I don't prescribe to the idea that Jesus, when he was a man, had all of the abilities and powers of God in his person. Now, I think, the, the, in a sense, the fullness of God dwelt in, in Jesus, but I think he, he was limited because of his human shell, in a sense. And, I th of course, I think he was willing to be limited in that way. Um, I think that's something that he um, resigned himself to when he decided to become a man. So, anyway, because of that, I, I don't think it Jesus doesn't seem to have everything completely worked out when he's speaking there there are hints and glimpses of limitations that he has right as as a man um, and so I believe he had to to walk with the spirit as he has told us we should learn to walk with the spirit that that he was showing us how that's done and in order to do that um, faithfully or completely or diligently, he had to be limited. Um, his divinity had to be somewhat limited in his human shell in order to be a proper example for us. Anyway, that's what I think. That's neither here nor there. But he seems to have known that he was to die on the cross because even before uh, the cross came in view, he talked about... Uh, if we want to be his disciples, we must take up our cross and follow him. Um, so that did seem to be something that um, he knew was coming. It, it does seem that he knew the cross was looming in his future um, before he was actually put upon it. Um, so, yeah, uh, so love is inherent in the story of the birth of Jesus. It's inherent, it's there, you can't get around it. Um, it is the theme, the central theme of the nativity as well as the entire life of Christ and 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 into the future, right? I did notice a little bit of progression. The reason why somebody probably chose uh, these four themes in the order that they chose them, which is hope, love, joy, and peace. The, the hope is in the, the future longings of the people of Israel for a champion for a messiah right uh, for the anointed one for the the king of israel to return for the return of the king uh, as we have in the lord of the rings and so there was hope that that would happen and there was also 
Um, because of that hope, there was a crying out, a calling out of oppressed people to God um, during that 400 years of exile. And so the response to the, the crying out, right, to the broken hearts of the people, of course, is the love of God. Now we see this with Jesus as well. We see that, that uh, people cried out to him, Son of David, heal me, right? And it says he had compassion on them and he healed them. So Jesus is God, if you will, Jesus, Yahweh, uh, is moved by the, the needs, right? The, the des disparity disparity no that's not the right word the, the 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 despair sorry he's moved by the despair of the people to act on their behalf when we cry out to god he hears us and that hearing and the subsequent actions that he takes is the embodiment of his love and literally the embodiment, another word to say embody is incarnate, right? Uh, when, when God comes down to us and incarnates in the, in the baby Jesus inside of Mary. Uh, and so that, that embodiment of his love, which is the incarnate Jesus, uh, is the response to the, the, the heartbroken cries of the people uh, and so love is the compassionate action that we also take when we see the needs of people uh, if we ignore the needs of people uh, if we are deaf to the cries of the needy then we have stopped the flow of love to them, right? We become a uh, we we become a, a clog, right? We, we clog up the works of that love that needs to go to those people, uh, and and so love is is the one necessary, irreplaceable theme of Christmas. And I feel that there's a lot of love in Christmas. I, I, I feel like there's, even as commercial as it has become, uh, I think love is what motivates us to, to buy gifts, right? Now, sometimes it may be some other things as well, but I really don't think we, we go to too much trouble for those we don't love, right? I don't feel like we go to that much trouble. Uh, and so love is a motivating factor, um, for sure, in, in how we um, take care of, how we give to, how we provide for uh, those in our lives. But it needs to also pour out to those who are in need, those who are crying out. Uh, from the oppression of the world. Last week I talked about how, in a sense, we are now oppressed by a, a foreign 
new, uh, somewhat invisible um, force called COVID-19. That in a lot of ways, COVID-19 is similar to the Romans in the first period in that we, we feel um, the, we feel oppressed by them, right? Uh, we feel oppressed by COVID-19. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Very nice truck driver just let me out. So, um, yeah, uh, we should be crying out from our broken hearts, our, our loss of communication, our loss of joy, our, our fear of our own immortality, right? Um, the, the fear of the um, social losses that we're experiencing, right? The, the pain uh, of not being able to travel to see our loved ones, the Of course, there are people who have lost one, loved ones to this disease and others, other diseases as well. Um, there are people who have been sick who are now quite possibly permanently damaged from the virus. Uh, but this calling out, uh, I think we need to be brave enough to do it, right? Um, because the fact that we call out shows that we have a hope. If we don't have hope, we're not going to call out. We're not going to call out for help. But that hope is what what makes us and and prompts us to ask for that that loving outpouring of the healing that we we so desire. But if we're not calling out, perhaps it's because we've lost hope. Uh, and we don't have faith that God is powerful enough or that he even pays attention to mankind enough to alleviate our suffering. So I think, I think the calling out uh, is something that we should do. And it, God doesn't wait for us to call out um, because he has some kind of a, a number. Like if, if X amount of people call out, then it'll be worth my while kind of thing. The calling out, um, it requires humility. It, it, it requires us to say, we cannot handle this virus, right? We are not powerful enough. I am scared, right? I'm not strong enough to not be scared. And God, you have the power. You have the power and you have uh, the loving compassion that we need to be able to take care of this. And he, 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 he waits, I believe, because we need to get to that point. Humility is so important in how we are and how we act in the world, right? It's an important way to be so that we can 
be a certain kind of person in the world, a person who is going to be part of the progression of mankind toward greater and greater goodness. Um, and without humility, uh, we will not progress. In fact, pride is what causes so many of the problems in the world. So many of the problems that we face today are caused by pride. Um, Ooh, sorry, I am really passionate about what I'm speaking today, but I got up really early and walked the dog, and I'm having a bit of a yawning battle with myself right now. But that humility, it's it's important for us. It's not it's not God needing us to to get to that point, but that humility is something that that does something in the world. Somehow it opens up the floodgates of of God's um, God's out, outflowing right uh, it allows him to flow, flow more freely in the world with his his uh, his healing right now we don't quite understand why that is and how that works um, I think Greg Boyd has touched on things uh, and and found, uh, things in Scripture that not many people have have uh, been brave enough to face, but I think what he would say is that for God to do something so big and so drastic, He requires the cooperation of many of the chaos-loving spiritual forces that are in the world, uh, who He created. To, to do certain jobs who have more or less rebelled against him. Uh, these are hinted at throughout scripture. Um, words like Leviathan and Behemoth, which is behemoth. Uh, uh, I guess Leviathan would be, Leviathan would be the uh, closer to the Hebrew pronunciation anyway of Leviathan but uh, and and there are there are spiritual forces uh, uh, Paul references them as the principalities uh, and authorities in the heavenly realms right um, heavenly of course isn't a place somewhere it's it's more of a dimension it's the invisible spiritual dimension that is here and now but we can't necessarily see and and these forces have been given some some authority and they are they are also beings of free will if you believe what Boyd says uh, and so when when God needs to move in a big way in the world somehow our prayers and our submission our humility right and our cries, our, our cries from a broken heart, are ways that we somehow diminish the power of, the, of Satan, right? Somehow we, we diminish the spiritual powers um, of chaos. And God is able to do, God is a God of order. He is able to order more more completely 
those forces for a time so that he can do something like that in the world. And if people are not crying out, I, I, I don't understand how this works, right? It seems to be the best theory that I've come across, right? It seems to be the best theory that I've seen of why sometimes it seems God does not do good in the world. And it goes back to uh, open theology and the idea that that God is constantly working and using influence, not force, to, to impose his will on the earth. He needs, he doesn't need, he, he, it's in his character to cooperate, right? And to ask for cooperation and to wait until cooperation is freely given. Free will seems to be something that he refuses to um, violate. Whether it's free will of humans or it's the free will of the heavenly authorities and principalities. There are things that are going on behind the scene, what Paul refers to as spiritual battles, that we don't understand, right? Uh, it's just not within our realm of, of view. One day it will be, and we'll understand more of what was going on behind the scenes, I believe. Um, but to me, that's the best answer to why we pray and why we cry out to the Lord. That somehow they become uh, spiritual weapons, our prayers and our, our humility, and even every good act we do in the world, every, everything that we do that is good, that is from true love, uh, that is out of, out of love, that we do in the world somehow uh, are, are um, flaming arrows that weaken the enemy. And I don't mean that in a, in a true sense, it's, it's metaphor, right? Because I, I don't, I don't, it, it's violent imagery that I think is used, um, that people understand. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a kind of violence. I think it's much kinder than that. I think whatever God is doing with his, with the spiritual battles is, is a kindness, right? It, it has to be congruent with the loving God that he is, with, with his essence, which is love. Um, so we don't understand quite how it works, but these are some of the metaphors that we're given to try to understand what's going on. And in the opposite, when we do bad in the world, when we're selfish, when we um, are proud, uh, somehow we give power to the enemy, right? We're, we're supporting that side. And, and so what what we do in the world matters in that way I don't think it it has anything to do with our final salvation I think Jesus has summed all that up and and has uh, already figured that out it, it has everything to do however with how we are in the world today and how the world progresses in a positive way 
trajectory, right? The more good that's done in the world, the better the world becomes. Uh, and we don't always see it, and we may not see it for years and generations to come, but the good you do in the world today does have an effect on the world entire. It changes the cosmology. It changes, changes the universe universally <laughs> in some way. Uh, everything good you do uh, echoes into eternity, and everything bad you do echoes into eternity, right? Um, but it's the it's the it's the trajectory we are on that is most important. And I believe, and Jordan Peterson seems to agree, uh, that we are on a more of a positive trajectory than a negative one. In in general terms, the world is headed in the right direction, despite a lot of crap that goes on. Uh, not everybody agrees with that. Right now, that's the theory that I I uh, believe. And that's not from Jordan Peterson. Uh, that's from other people that I've read. Um, and it seems to make sense. And why wouldn't it? Jesus has come to save the world, so how's he doing? Is he good at being a savior? Is he is he effective? Right? He said he's come to save the world. Is he going to do it? And what does save the world mean? If you lose 90% uh, of the population, uh, is that salvation? Has, has Jesus done a good job? I don't think if, you know, if, if somebody came in and said, I'm here to clean this room, but they only clean 10%, would you say they're a good cleaner? So if Jesus is has said he's come to save the world, but he only saves a small percentage of it, right? A small percentage of it. How can we call him a savior? He's only the savior of a very few people, right? He's not certainly not saved the world. He's not saved all the people in it. So we need to give him a little bit more credit than that. My goodness. He deserves a lot more credit than that. If Jesus has come to save the world, then by golly, he's going to do it. If there's anybody that will be successful at their job, it's Jesus Christ. We don't usually think of it on, that, on those terms, right? Um... To me, that's about all that really makes sense. Is he the savior of the world or is he not? Um, yeah, sorry, that's a bit of a sidetrack. Love, love is a necessary and central part of everything God does and has ever done. So it's centrally uh, important to Christmas. Um, if you are in need, if you are in despair, uh, if you're sad, if you're hurting, please cry out. Please cry out to God. For the sake of all of us, have hope 
that that he will alleviate your suffering that he will help you find comfort and peace and the more we do this the more we cry out the bigger the chance that God is going to act in a big way in the world this is what happened on Christmas people of Israel were hurting for some 400 years and they had been crying out and crying out and crying out there had been people faithful who had not stopped believing in Yahweh who had never bowed their knee to the false gods and the idols of the land and those people continued to cry out day by day to God and he heard them and on Christmas something huge happened in the world God came to earth and became flesh and dwelt among us that's a huge thing and it didn't happen uh, because um, people weren't calling out it happened because they were and somehow on that day the powers that be were influenced by those calls and those cries and God because of his corporate nature because of the way that he works with his creation not not forcing his way with it but because he works with his creation something big happened I'm kind of of the mind that that's always needed right that that's that's something that that is always uh, lacking in, in the earth uh, us believing that our cries to God will be heard and will be um, heeded um, and I readily admit that I'm not a good prayer uh, I'm not a, a person who prays frequently um, I'm really not a disciplined person period discipline is something that is is coming easier to me as I get older but not something that I have ever been naturally good at I'm definitely more of a uh, right-brained type of person um, more comfortable with chaos than some other people perhaps uh, on the creative side of things and so regimen and uh, discipline don't come easy to me. Hey, do you want to go? You want to come? You could? You could? Can I? Okay. She's going to wait forever. It's going to take forever if she doesn't listen to help. Sorry, I was trying to help an old lady cross the road, but she, <laughs> she didn't want to go when I asked her to go. Maybe she couldn't see in my car. I don't know. So, anywho, um, yeah, next week we go on to joy. And in the Christmas story, uh, we see joy on the first night of the birth of Christ. We see, we see joy um, released 
right? Heralded by the angels uh, with the shepherds in the field who uh, were visited by the angels and told about what was happening in Bethlehem. And then they, they went right to the stable where Jesus was, right to the whatever, right? There's some controversy about where... Uh, what Jesus was born in. I think I talked about it last year a bit. It was probably a house uh, and the stables were actually part of the house and this is this is actually a, a huge interesting story that will be a total sidebar but anyway uh, so the angels said well I, okay I'm going to save joy for next week. Joy is next week. I don't want to get ahead of myself too much Yeah, maybe I'll have to do joy and peace next week because I may not record a podcast the week after. Oh, but I could do one Friday. Hmm. Okay, maybe I'll do it in a couple days. I'll do joy early. Uh, so, yeah, hope. The hope in God prompted his action. Somehow, somehow, our faith in God and the hope that He is going to act in the world. It's 9.55. Oh, I'm going to be a little late today. A lot of traffic today. It's crazy. Uh, you know, somehow, um, what we do in the world has an effect. And so, uh, I want to encourage you and encourage myself to, to think about praying more to orient ourselves uh, on God, looking up to Him, right? Uh, looking to, to His transcendent glory uh, in order to orient ourselves a certain way in the world and, and to orient ourselves on Christ, to keep our eyes on Christ, as Paul said, uh, is, to, is to keep us in a positive trajectory in the world, right? Um, in Christ, we discover that God loves us and that we are valuable. We are so valuable that that he died for us. Um, by keeping our eyes on Christ, we realize that he has empowered us he's sent us uh, the gift right another Christmas theme the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us that we actually have Christ in us um, by keeping our eyes on the cross we realize that our sins our shortcomings our missing of the mark Right? Our mistakes, our weaknesses, uh, the evilness that sometimes we partake in will not be the last word, that that, that does not define us, uh, that we are defined by the love of Christ and not by uh, what we have said or what we have done. Even though what we say and what we do does affect does have an effect on the trajectory of humanity in the world that those are natural consequences but not 
not the consequences that God himself will impose upon us, that he has promised us a home and a future and a family, right, forever. Um, so by keeping our eyes on the cross, um, we, we can live with hope, right? We, we can have a lot of hope. In fact, there's so much hope in the cross, I don't think we could hardly deal with that much hope. I don't think we could ever have more hope than that. Um, I'm not sure there is more hope than that. There is the, the, the danger, though, that we do put our hope in other places. Maybe we put our hope uh, in our spouse or our children or our education uh, or our, our experiences. Uh, maybe we put our hope in our uh, health um, in all kinds of other places. Uh, we may put our hope in our country. We may place our hope uh, in our religion. Right? Place our hope in our own goodness. Right? These are all places that people do put hope, and there are more than that, uh, that are not able to sustain us, that are not worthy of hope. And yet we put our hope in all those things. So I would say put your hope in Jesus and keep your eyes fixed on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, and in so doing, we orient ourselves in the world positively, right? We don't need to get down every time something bad happens around us or to us. Uh, we realize that, that hope is real and our hope is well-placed in Christ. Uh, and we will um, one day... Uh, receive that love even if we don't feel like we're receiving it now we have received it and we will will receive it and we are receiving it now even if we don't feel it uh, and that gives us um, great hope that the kind of hope that we can endure all that life is throwing at us uh, and And then just focus on the love. Focus on the love of the cross. And so those are the first two themes of Advent, hope and love. And uh, yeah, I'm going to stop right there because I'm starting to repeat myself. And I don't like to do that. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening. Um, and we'll uh, talk to you later. Bye-bye.